Hello, all you wonderful listeners. This is Julie Baumgartner, and welcome to another episode of Rise Up with Julie Baumgartner, where we talk with specialists in their field of expertise to encourage, motivate, and equip those with big dreams to rise up and achieve their goals. Our guests have valuable tips and resources to apply to your own life and go forward on your path to success. Our guests have a following either because of their expertise, have given back and invested in their communities, or have engaged in relationship building, contributing to their success. Today on Rise Up, we have a news anchor, journalist, and motivational speaker. She is a native of St. Louis and takes pride in her Midwest values and strong work ethic. She is a graduate of Columbia College Chicago, where she won a competitive internship at NBC Chicago and was able to learn from some of the best anchors, reporters, and producers in the TV news business. She currently is the weekday morning anchor of Five News, the CBS station in Northwest Arkansas. She has a passion for health and fitness and loves sharing tips about how to make wellness a priority while navigating a busy life and career. She also hosts an online series called Simon Says, aimed at motivating, uplifting, and inspiring people. Today, we welcome Laura Simon. Hi, Laura. Thank you for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Julie. You are quite the ambitious career woman. When did you realize the career path you wanted to take? Okay, it took a couple detours, but I have always been super, super fascinated with news, probably at way too young of an age. I always watched the news with my mom and the Today Show. So I would start by watching the local news and we would watch the Today Show in the morning before I had to leave for school. And I was very young at the time, but I remember watching way too much of the O.J. Simpson trial as well as the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And even though I couldn't comprehend everything that was going on, I just found news to be so fascinating. The thing about news is you're learning something new about everything and it's kind of a career where you have to know a little about a lot of different topics. So the law, crime, uh, the economy, all sorts of different topics. Who was your most favorite news anchor when you were that age? When I was that age, there was a local anchor at KSDK in St. Louis. Her name was Karen Foss. She's still a legend in that area. So I really looked up to her. She was the local anchor. And then on the Today Show, of course, I loved Katie Couric. Katie Couric. And what made you aspire to be like them? Well, (laughs) again, my career took a lot of different paths, Mm -hmm. but I always loved being on stage and performing. And so I did a lot of high school plays. I actually signed with a modeling agent when I was just 12 years old. And so the modeling thing, it was going okay, but I didn't get to the height I needed to be to be a runway model and go to Japan and do this really cool modeling trip. So when that set me back a little bit, I was like, you know, maybe I'll delve into acting. And so I worked with an acting coach and I got to go on some auditions and was even featured in a couple local commercials and short films and did the high school plays and just love being on stage. And I told my parents, if I become a famous actress by the time I'm 18, I'm not going to college. I'm going to move to Hollywood. That didn't happen. So I went to college and got my degree in broadcast journalism. Tell us about the internship. 
the internship. So the thing I was most excited about at Columbia College Chicago was that everybody is required to do an internship before they graduate. And you're not supposed to really do the internship until your junior or your senior year. But I was ready to get started in an internship right away. And so I went to the internship coordinator, Jennifer Helper, and we still keep in touch to this day. And I told her, I want to intern at NBC. She's like, okay, well, usually they won't accept you until you're a junior or senior. I was a sophomore at the time. And um, so filled out the application. I gave it to Jennifer. She put in a good word for me and things happened. And I ended up landing an internship at NBC Chicago with the news planning editor, Pam Oliver, who also still works at NBC Chicago 10 years later. So after the internship, then you had to return to college? Well, I basically did the internship while I was still attending classes. And the way I was able to set up my classes, I crammed all these courses on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I was at the internship eight hours a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it was a, it was a full news shift. And I was out in the field with reporters and photographers. I got to help out the anchor. Sometimes we worked on big team coverage projects like Chicago's 2016 bid for the Olympics. And so we had a correspondent out in Copenhagen waiting to see if Chicago would be one of four cities to be able to host the Olympics. And we really thought we were going to get it. Everybody was preparing for that decision, but they were eliminated in the very first round. And so we had to quickly change how we were covering everything. And it was a, it was a very neat experience to get to see that so young in college. What was the most important thing you learned while interning? There are so many things I learned. I know it embedded in my mind that there is no going back. News is definitely what I want to do with my life. What was your most embarrassing moment as an intern? This is a great one. Okay. (laughs) So there's basically different sections in the newsroom. The reporters sit somewhere. The anchors have their own. Some of them had offices. There's a sports pod where all the sports people sit. They actually had a female sports director at the time, Paula Ferris, who's now at Good Morning America. She was the weekend anchor, and she's also correspondent for ABC News. And there was another reporter there named Daryl, and he was the sports guy most days of the week. I think he did weekends, and then a few days of the week he, he anchored sports. And so anyways, I'm in my heels, walking around NBC, <laughs> And I'm carrying all these papers, getting these binders ready for producers and reporters to prepare for a big team coverage event. I've done all this research and I have all my papers ready to go to put on these binders. And I trip on this stoop in front of the sports pod and fall flat on my rear end (laughs) and all the papers go everywhere. And then Daryl, the sports guy, just started cracking up laughing. And then he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm sorry to laugh. And then he just lost it. He started crying. And so I certainly made an impression on the sports team at NBC Chicago. I think that's one thing I appreciate you about you is you bring humor and lightheartedness in your personality. You project that into not necessarily your news delivery, but you bring some candid moments. When did you feel comfortable kind of interjecting your own personality into your online personality? That's, that's a great question. I mean, I've always been a very quirky, clumsy person 
And in when you first get into the news business, you think you need to be all prim and proper and pronounce every word perfectly. But once I realized I could let those walls down and people actually listen to you and trust you more when you're just your authentic self, yes. that's, I mean, that was everything. That was that light bulb moment. And it did take a little while for me to feel that comfortable on camera because you don't want people to see you fumble or mess up, but but people actually enjoy that and they connect with you more. So, so mm, I couldn't put like an exact timeline on when I, I became my true authentic self, but I think that just comes with age and experience too. And, and, you know, you, you get your feet wet, you do everything you're supposed to do. You make mistakes, but more so journalistically than showing your personality, but I've never once had a boss tell me I'm showing too much personality or I'm going a little bit too far with what I'm saying on air. So I think once you can become your true authentic self, especially on camera, that's when, when there's nothing that's going to stop you. As a woman pursuing a career in journalism and having an online presence, what progressive steps has new stations, um, and affiliates taken to give merit to women based on their accomplishments as opposed to their appearance? Sure. No matter what, it's a subjective business, I think, but your qualifications do matter. And I think more than anything, confidence matters. So when I'm applying for a job and I know I have everything that it takes to be in this position that I'm seeking, I just leave it to the universe to decide if, if this is right for me. Maybe that particular boss, and there's multiple bosses that go through the vetting process of selecting who this particular person is who's going to fill this role is. And so if they don't pick me at the end of the day, I know it's not because I'm not qualified, but, but it is a, a visual medium and they might be looking for a certain person to fill that role, whether it be a man or a woman or someone who has 10 years of experience more than me. And so you just put your application and your best foot forward and, and continue to make those connections and follow up. And at the end of the day, you just can't take a decision personally. I, I don't think there's ever a vendetta other than they just want the best fit for their newsroom. You are confident. Let's talk about that. How did you acquire your confidence? Gosh, I was never a super confident person as a kid because I was always called by kids I was too thin or my teeth were crooked or this or that. And eventually my teeth weren't too crooked anymore. And eventually I wasn't too thin anymore, but I still wasn't happy with who I was. And so it's a lot of inner work. And I think that comes with, with age and experience as well. But in college, I was just always very critical of myself, a perfectionist to a point. And when I took my first news job, I quickly had to learn it's not about perfection. It's about completing a project. You can't always have everything be perfect. Sometimes it's just simply getting it done. So I learned in order to get something done, I need to prepare. So I'm an over-preparer to an extent, but I over-prepare in every aspect of my life. And I know what I need to do internally and externally to project a confidence on camera. So that does involve getting my workouts in. It involves taking care of my body. It involves getting enough sleep. It involves reading my scripts in the morning and knowing what the news of the day is. So it's just prepping my mind and 
everything else that I do in my life to give me confidence in my job. You talk about preparation, and you officially started journalism as an ABC affiliate in Missouri Mm -hmm. and Iowa, and later joined Five News as a weekend reporter and journalist. Um, Today, you are promoted to weekday morning anchor. What was your preparation? What were the steps along the way to get there? Mm, That's a great question. I started as the weekend morning anchor. I reported three days a week, and I was not a very good anchor at all. (laughs) I could handle a 30-minute show in a really small town in southeast Iowa, but when I got to Five News, they were relaunching this weekend morning show. It was a huge deal. Before I even started there, we did a photo shoot. It was featured in a magazine. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and I was not prepared for this role. I had never anchored a two-hour show before, and it was intense, and I knew I needed to get better or I wasn't going to have my job anymore. So I really had to figure out what I needed to do to be able to handle a two-hour morning show, which eventually became a three-hour morning show (laughs) all by myself. (laughs) So I started watching the network's like I did when I was a kid, but I studied what they were doing and what works and what doesn't. And I noticed everyone talks very conversationally. They have their own authentic voice. So I think a lot of my confidence also comes from looking at my scripts in the morning, changing everything to the way that I would tell a friend that script. And that's, that's a huge component. And so that eventually led to me seeking out a coach because I was at a point where I didn't know if I was going to stay at five news. I signed with an agent, but he's like, I want you to change everything about your reel. Your reel is what they send Mm -hmm. out to get you a job. And so he connected me with this woman, Deborah Alfarone, who will be a mentor for the rest of my life and now a great friend. But she looked at my work and she helped me get it to where it needed to be to bring me to the next level. So it was not just standing there in front of the camera with my microphone, but showing people what was happening and walking around and and showing storm damage and talking so conversationally. You might think it's too conversational, but, but that is what you need to do in order to get your message across in news. So once I got to that next level in my reporting, my anchoring got to that next level to be a good anchor. I think you have to be a good reporter first And my boss took note of that. He's like, wow, you've really, really come a long way. He's like, we need to get you off the weekends. I need to find a new place for you. And so we discussed a few things and one thing led to another and we negotiated a deal and I was the morning anchor. And this particular agent I had, you know, he was looking for other jobs for me, but he didn't really believe in me and I believed in myself. And so I fired this agent. Good. I'm like, you don't believe in me. Mm-hmm. I believe in myself. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to be my own strongest advocate. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where a lot of confidence comes from is life experiences because you have so many people cutting you down. You have to, you're the only person to bring yourself up at the end of the indeed. day. Indeed. So what all did the coach critique you on and how, how did she illustrate it to you? How did you adopt what she recommended to you? Sure. So The best thing about her is she always starts with the positives and there were a lot of positive things. She started with my wardrobe and she's like, you know, I like what you're wearing, but that chunky necklace you're wearing, 
it makes your outfit look cheap. I mean, little things like that make you, you know, rethink everything. Simplicity is so much better. And who knew, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to look my best Mm -hmm. (laughs) as an anchor. And, you know, there's those boxy blazers that the anchors wore back in the 90s. That's what I started. No, that looks great. (laughs) That looks great. And I love blazers now, but those those really boxy ones Mm -hmm. that a 20, I started this business when I was 22 years old. And when I was 22, I'm wearing these blazers that are so outdated. And and um, I wasn't doing that by the time I started working with my mentor, but but that is what they wanted us to wear in my first market. So you're 22 years old pretending like you're 52. <laughs> it just doesn't really work. And so she just, she helped with that. And, and the, already by changing something so simple as your wardrobe and, and bright wearing bright colors and not always uh, wearing black and white on camera because you know, it just has a certain look. That mm-hmm. was the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I talked about a man who had fallen off of a cliff and I talked about how it was, I don't know, 2,500 feet above sea level. What does that mean? You have to put that in perspective. That's equivalent to falling seven stories. So to really put your storytelling into mm-hmm. perspective. And so now I, I dissect every single word I say and know that words are our currency in news because you don't have a lot of time to tell that story. So she helped me with that. And then from there, she's like, you know, your reel looks great. I don't think you need me anymore, but you might want to work on your voice. She's like, I worked with a voice coach. I was like, well, who is your voice coach? So then she set me up with her voice coach. I had to take out a loan to do six sessions with this voice coach because I mean, she is the woman you want to work with, but is getting yourself to where you want to be without anyone else telling you what to do you just no one's going to hold your hand you just have to do it what did a voice coach what what do they do is it articulation is it um gesturing is it um eye contact what all is involved in that there's a lot involved she'll have you send some clips of your work and for me there was a way that I was moving my mouth, which I don't even know if I can do now. I ha- she had me do lip exercises to strengthen my lips, but my mouth wasn't moving evenly. And she's like, that can be a distraction when you're on air. Mm-hmm. So she helped me fix that. And she also taught me to, to speak from my diaphragm because when you're nervous, your voice is automatically going to go up a couple octaves, especially when you're young. And so it was breathing exercises. I did 25 minutes of voice work a day just to strengthen my voice and my lung capacity. So it was a huge stepping stone for me to, to improve the way I sounded on camera and all of those things tie back to your confidence. I may have to get her number. (laughs) I probably can't afford her, but I have noticed uh, when I see myself on film, my, this one side of my mouth would be more animated than the other. Yeah. And I think it's common because no one's face is perfectly symmetrical, Mm -hmm. but for some odd reason, someone's going to get distracted by it and send you a mean email. <laughs> so well, you just have to. <laughs> even for myself, I agree. It's not a good look. You, you had a voice coach to help you with your speech. You had a coach to help you with your appearance. And you mm. deliver good and bad news every day. How, what has equipped you to deal with that? Or do you do it well? Or do you bring it home with you? Or how do you manage your emotions? That's a great question, I think, for everyone in this business, especially those correspondents you're seeing in the field covering the worst tragedies ever. I mean, 
a lot of reporters suffer from PTSD. And it's a, it's a serious thing that I don't think we talk enough about. I've been in a situation where I, you know, even when I was a reporter, I was still anchoring a couple days a week. And to me, that's a little bit of a disconnect from not having to be out in the tragedy. But one story I really took home with me that still affects me to this day was there was an oil rig explosion in Oklahoma and five workers were killed. And none of them were from this area. The one who lived closest was from McAllister, Oklahoma. But I had to go out and find his family members, talk to his old high school teacher. And it was just very tragic because you feel like you're invading people's privacy on top of such a horrible tragedy. And so my approach to people is just to know that it's an honor to be able to share their story and to bring to light who this person was and to a situation, an oil rig explosion happened. How do we prevent this from happening in the future? How do we hold the company that owns this oil rig accountable? And and how do we paint the picture that this was five people who lost their lives on the job. They were just doing their job. And so when you approach a story with compassion and authenticity and you do the very best you can do with what you have at the end of the day, at least you can go home. When you take that story home with you, at least you know that you did them justice and and you told their story as fairly and honestly and candidly as you possibly could. So it, it's hard because you're constantly talking about sad stories, but, but I also know it's a huge responsibility and I don't take it for granted that I'm in the position I'm in. So really you deal with it with the hope that good will come from it in the future. Yeah, or just that you're doing... Or, or preventative s- measures preventative measures you're doing a service to people by sharing their stories there there's so much that goes into it but but it is hard not to take everything home with you and there's so much tragedy that's been happening okay let's talk about 2020 how has this year been for you as a journalist and reporter it's been unprecedented it's been something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. When we first heard of the coronavirus, it was five people in China, and it turned into this. And I remember having sushi with some friends in mid-January. One of them is a state representative and his wife, and they're also realtors. And I was talking to them with my husband. They had never heard of this coronavirus. And I was explaining to them what we knew about it and how it originated in Wuhan, China. Now, all of a sudden, uh, two months after that, I'm working from home. We're in a pandemic. We are wearing masks. Everything has changed. And not to mention, right before this all started. So we had our first case in early March. My husband had vocal cord surgery on St. Patrick's Day. I was on my way to work the day after that. Mind you, St. Patrick's Day, I worked a full day, my morning shift, and then I was in the hospital for eight hours waiting for my husband to get this the last elective surgery done at this particular hospital. So it was a very long day. I debated calling into work on March 18th. And I didn't. My, my husband 
was on voice rest, but I was like, should I stay home and take care of you? He was like, no, no, go to work in his non-voice. And so I leave for work and it was raining very, very hard. Never been in a car accident in my life. And I hydroplaned and it could have been a very, very serious wreck. And I'm still here in July dealing with some injuries, doing physical therapy. So I feel grateful to be alive. I have a new outlook on life. I questioned, even though I'm just going to work to anchor on a desk, is this job worth my life? Because I have reported on stories where it was not necessarily the safest situation. And looking back, I have so much gratitude for life in general And so it has been a challenging time, but slowing down has also forced me to rethink everything from my journalism to my life, et cetera. So as, as hard and as challenging as it has been, I've also taken a lot of time to just learn about life, to learn about history. When the whole George Floyd story broke on Memorial day, the first thing I did was, took a moment to pause, be quiet, to listen and learn and do everything I can to make society a better place with my journalism and to listen to my black coworkers about the challenges that they have faced. Hopefully we'll all emerge from this better than ever. Hopefully we'll emerge into a world that is more compassionate, um, more driven by purpose, Yes. I want to go back for just a second. And you mentioned earlier you had the phrase telling the story, telling your story. And that is a major focus with a lot of communicators. It's also kind of a catchphrase right now uh, that you need to know how to tell your story. Your path may not be everyone's path, but what advice could you give for someone to better themselves in their communication? Um, Because I think we have so many wonderful people in this world who have a story to tell, and they're either have not been given the opportunity to tell it, they do not feel qualified to tell their story, And so how would you boost their self-esteem? What tips would you give them to um, become more vocal in their approach? One of my favorite quotes is that you are your superpower. And it might sound a little bit cliche, but there's seriously only one of you. And that's your power. And we only have this one life. And there's no time to play small or not think that there's room and space for you. So we have such an incredible power with our voice, no matter who we are or where we come from. And you do the world a service by sharing your story. What is, has been your greatest motivation towards success? Ooh, that's a good question. I got to think about that. I look back to my childhood and remember not being interested in movies or children's programming. I was always interested in the news. And I think that means something in my life right now. And I will work so hard to be the best journalist I can possibly be. And so there are people in this business I totally look up to. 
and, and I study what they do and I make sure that my storytelling is the best I can possibly do in this moment. So that's what keeps me driven. Um, I always want to be up to date on current events and I love to inform people and how do you consume, how do you consume current events? Are you a newspaper reader? Do you go online? Do you have a lot of subscriptions? Um, How do you stay on top of it all? It's hard to turn that switch off. I'm constantly consuming news from the moment I wake up in the morning until the moment I go to bed. It's just an obsession I have, and I'm so grateful I'm able to do it for a living. So I start my day by either watching, there's an app called the News On app. It's free. You can watch local news stations across the country. So sometimes I like to catch up on what's going on in my hometown. Sometimes I'll watch the national news on CBS. They'll usually replay the the evening newscast from the night before. I might be asleep (laughs) the time it's actually airing. So I'll catch up on my headlines that way Uh, with, with, the way that we can stream everything. I'm just watching news 24 seven on all sorts of different apps. And then I also listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a huge fan of the daily by the New York times. They go deep dives into topics on, on everything you can imagine, but it, it helps me learn more than, you know, just your average 20, 25 second news story. You can really learn more about an issue by listening to these in-depth interviews on podcasts. Everything that you have said can almost be relayed in one sentence. You are a hard worker, and you're going to put the effort into whatever you do for it to be the best that it can be. I don't think there's uh, any quick rides for anyone to success, but possibly we have a generation that wants instant success Can you tell us a little bit about your opinion on that? Mm. Even if you have that quick ride to success, the way down will hurt really bad if you don't work your way up. Because one mistake at the network level, you'll be out like that. So I strongly recommend, and everyone has their own opinion on it, I recommend taking the local news route or doing something that's a little bit smaller where you do have some freedom to learn and make your mistakes because if you instantly get that success you're longing for first off what else do you have to achieve after that other than just trying to keep your job mm-hmm. <laughs> yes but but I really do think that you have to work for what you want and once you get what you want you have to keep working to better yourself and you do better better yourself. You have a passion for health and fitness. How do you prioritize events in your life to sustain your goals for wellness? Sure. I think it just it gives me energy. It keeps me sane. It's my one disconnect from the day from what consumes my mind, which is news. I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> so I, I make it a priority every day, even if it's just a walk. I have to do something physical to just disconnect, to reconnect back to myself. So even while I've been working from home and I know I have a really busy day, I might set my alarm an hour earlier just to get up and knock that workout out and get on with my day. And then I still might take a walk later if I find the time for it. But it's just, it's making it a priority, making it a priority 
you, you know, you prioritize your time and that's just one thing that's always on the schedule. You are an advocate for Alzheimer's awareness. Mm -hmm. Do you have a personal story as to why that is important to you? Yes. My step-grandma recently passed away from Alzheimer's. She was 80 years old and my father-in-law suffers from Alzheimer's. There's just so much we don't know about Alzheimer's and there's so much more research that needs to be done. So anytime I can be an advocate or a voice for people dealing with Alzheimer's, I'm all in. I've emceed several of the Alzheimer's walks here and anything I can do to spread awareness and see what we can do to prevent our future generations from developing this devastating disease is something I'm all about. You are also a volunteer at the St. Louis chapter cancer support. How did that come about? My dad was on the board and in high school, I was in a current events class, go figure, but we had to do a community service project. And so that was my charity of choice. And it's just something that's been close to my heart for a long time. Bob Costas emceed one of their galas. And so obviously a famous broadcaster, I'm there. And it, it just really is something I'm passionate about. And, and they also focus a lot on nutrition and the psychological effects on not only the patients, but their families. And, and that's just something very close to my heart. What responsibility do you think on air and online personalities have to give back to their community? I think on social media, as a journalist, I need to hold myself to a higher standard first off. But secondly, there's so much depressing news out there. I make it a point to spread positivity on social media and uplift people and encourage people because everybody does deserve to have their voice heard. So I always make sure that people who follow me on social media, as long as they don't get out of line, that they're heard and that they're appreciated and they know that they matter. So I like to do these Facebook lives in the morning where I just interact with our viewers and we talk about the headlines and what are you doing this weekend? And we all just commute, we create this community. And, and that's what I try to do with my social media. I try to make it a positive place somewhere where I don't welcome hate or gossip. You have an online series, Simon Says, and that's aimed at motivating, uplifting, and inspiring people. Who is your targeted audience and why did you start that? My viewers are certainly my targeted audience, the people who follow my page on Facebook and Instagram, so friends as well. But again, with so much negativity in this world, I just wanted to make it a positive place. And I read a ton of books and not everyone has time to sit there and read a book or, I mean, I listen to audiobooks too, full disclosure. But, um, you know, when I, when I get some new knowledge or wisdom, I like to share that. And so Simon Says is a quick outlet where I do that. I have taken a little pause from it just because of everything going on. Um, it feels inauthentic to pretend it's rainbows and sunshine when, when it's not. And some of them are more serious and reflective. And, and so one of the Simon Says segments I did was about a book I read called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And the first agreement, which I think is the most important one, is to be impeccable with your word. And that one really hits home. So if I can't be impeccable with my word in the Simon Says segment, I'm not going to put it out there. So right now I'm just taking the time to reflect and, and learn and maybe I'll be out with another Simon Says soon, but it's been a little more than I'm a month since I've even felt like doing one. 
Laura, I want to give you the floor for just a moment and in your own words and in your own voice and from even your past experience, what advice, encouragement, or motivation would you give to listeners who have yet to achieve their dreams to inspire them to go for it and to know that it is attainable? I would say, first off, your past does not define you. No failure defines you. It's getting that motivation to get up and get going. Find what route will work for you. You're going to have to take a couple of routes to get to where you want to go. But if you work for it, if you look at people who are doing what you want to do with your life, reach out to them. Have the courage to reach out or find a way to find someone that knows that person and, and study what they do to get to where they were, but create your own path. There's, there's no right way to getting what you want. You just have to work for it. You just have to start. You just have to start. And then you have to continue. Yeah. (laughs) That's the hard part. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. Well, thank you, Laura, for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. You've been listening to Rise Up with Julie Baumgartner. Thank you for listening today. Rise up and let's be the best that we can be. And listen to this podcast that will both motivate and educate. Thank you 